Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. President Biden's promise to restore confidence to the presidency has been challenged by the images put on display from the withdrawal from Afghanistan and this ever challenge for administrations to handle both domestic policy and foreign policy simultaneously, especially when both get difficult. Uh, Although uh, Biden has recognized that his administration was caught off guard by the Taliban's rapid takeover of Afghanistan, he's He's also taken ownership there. Buck stops with him. Uh, but the test, and I think the challenge is, can the administration accelerate their ability to take in information, process, make decisions, and decisively act both at home and abroad? And what do the American people think of that? And how do they think the administration's doing? So to help us break all of that down, uh, the one and only, the uh, ultimate inside source from up at the Hinckley Institute of Politics, Jason Perry joins us live. Jason, how are we doing on a Monday? Uh, boy, doing great. And we have students back on campus again. Everything is just going well. Hey, that's a good day. That's a really good it day is. to have students back on campus and uh, fully engaged that way is uh, is just a great thing. Uh, as we look at where we are and from, from your perch there at the Hinckley Institute of Politics, we're, we're starting to kind of break down the numbers in terms of what is actually going on and how is it impacting the president or the way the people view the president in terms of his leadership. What's kind of your broad assessment? Well, so what you just described is ex- uh, at the opening here is exactly what people are saying. Uh, so it's, it's hard to pass legislation and get good things happening when you're not uh, trying to uh, handle international issues like what's happening in Afghanistan. So you combine all these things, what's happening there, what's happening on the worldwide front, the pandemic, the things that are happening uh, in our own House and Senate right here, and it's become very, very difficult to see any movement. And the reality is it's taking a toll on the president's approval numbers. It just is. And some people are claiming what's happening internationally. Some people are claiming what's happening locally. There's no getting around it. What you said is right. Some more has to happen in this administration to get answers quickly and to execute quickly. Yeah. So one of the interesting things, uh, NBC News uh, poll uh, showed that there's been a a shift just since April to now. Uh, The president's overall approval uh, rating uh, went from 61 percent, a nice high there in April, early on in the administration, uh, is already down to 46 percent. Uh, similar numbers in terms of the handling of the economy and COVID-19. The economy uh, in April, again, according to NBC News, uh, the approval was 60% of President Biden's handling of the economy. Now that's down to 45%. And his COVID-19 response approval has gone from 81% in April all the way down to 52%. What do these numbers mean inside of an administration? 
Well, it, it means that uh, something has to change. Uh, there has to be a new approach. There has to be a new thought about the strategy itself. And you've listed the things that are top of mind to people in, across the country and even in the state of Utah. When you start talking about the COVID response, you start talking about the economy. These are top of mind for people. And what, what you just read uh, on these numbers show that people are less confident that the president and his administration has a handle on these two things because they do not seem to be getting better. The economy um, is, is still, in terms of the stock market, seems to be doing okay, but there are great concerns going forward, particularly when you start tying that economy to these big uh, stimulus bills that are coming out when it's infrastructure or big changes coming uh, through bills in the House. People are very concerned about that right now, and the picture is not clear, and it's, and it's clouded by infighting even within the president's own party. And I think that's creating uncertainty, is creating some confusion and some doubt. Yeah, we've talked about these nine uh, moderate Democrats uh, kind of flexing their muscle, uh, much the way that the left wing of the Democratic Party had earlier in the year in terms of, hey, we're not going to vote for this or that. Uh, so there is some of that infighting going on. The The question I've been dying to ask you, Jason, and get your perspective on is a lot of the American people are really starting to become aware of the economics uh, of all of this spending. And there have been some, even in the president's own advisors and inner circle, cautioning about the pace of spending. If we add a $1.2 trillion plus another $3.5 trillion plus, 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 uh, he said the American people are starting to question, is all of that worth it and what do I get out of it? How does that play out, especially rolling into a really crucial midterm in 2022? Mm -hmm. This is precarious for this administration right now. Uh, I, I will tell you, here's what's changed a little bit over the past couple of months to answer that question. is there was People were generally supportive. They were getting those stimulus checks, for example. People were, you know, pe people who didn't have jobs were still able to get some, some money coming in, into their bank accounts. They were able to go buy some of those things. Uh, but what's happened gradually after kind of the euphoria of having some of those things come to you and people saying, wow, this is just so great to get this money, there is a bill that will come due. Uh, and it's going to come you know, sooner than many think in terms of inflation and other costs. And so you say, yes, uh, the stimulus funds are coming. They're trying to stimulate the economy in some way. But the cost of goods are going up at the same time. People are starting to see, wow, wait a second, there is a cost to what is happening right now. And is it a cost that is it a cost I want to be able to I want to pay over a long period of time? And that is the reality. And that's why you're seeing some of those moderate Democrats, those moderate Republicans coming forward saying we're quite concerned about the pace and the amount. And I think that's why you're seeing so much landing on the plate of Nancy Pelosi this very week from people in her own caucus that are very concerned about the very things you you identified. Yeah. So I wanted to get your take on uh, on the the politics in Washington this week, uh, knowing that we've got these two bills, one point two trillion bipartisan bill, three point five trillion, really a framing for uh, a budget reconciliation bill, uh, and you've got the the moderates that are uh, again kind of flexing. Uh, you've got the left wing of the party doing their thing. Nancy Pelosi's trying to navigate it. Uh, she she did throw in a uh, a John Lewis voting rights bill as part of this rules package that they'll vote on later today uh, just to try to keep them in line. So two questions for you, Jason. One, how do the Democrats navigate this week? And two, uh, what do the Republicans do? I, I uh, said to James Walner, who was on previous, uh, is this just the time the Republicans pop popcorn and, and uh, watch the Democrats have some infighting for a change uh, as opposed to dealing with their own? 
You know, also, a, a couple of things. One, it, it's going to be very difficult to navigate. I'll tell you what these, these, these nine centrists that you were talking about, um, what they're trying to do right now is they're trying to, to say to, to the American people, even they are saying on all the talk shows today and when they're being interviewed, they're saying, yes, we're, we're really concerned about the pace. And what we really want is this $1.2 trillion bill on infrastructure. And they're going to say it's all about jobs. So the, to the American people, this is not about us fighting with each other. This is about the jobs. We're doing this for you. And we will find a way to get to both of them. That's what even the centrists are kind of saying, is we do have those concerns. Let's just get to that infrastructure bill first, and then we'll, we'll get to the other one. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's likely they will get through both of those there, too. But, but, but what, at what kind of cost, to your point as well? And so for the Republicans, I don't see them really just enjoying the show with their popcorn. There's some of that. I think they're going to be looking for opportunities to, to eat their popcorn but needle to heckle while it's happening. Because – because it is messy right now, and there are a lot of ramifications from these decisions that Republicans are going to try to capitalize on into this next election, whether it's the things you've identified with these bills or the budget or the spending or Afghanistan. These are all just bumper sticker opportunities for the Republicans really to try to capitalize on this for this next election. Yeah, and you really nailed it. It is the, the bumper sticker stuff is is what I think everybody is concerned about I get across the spectrum. Uh, I think Nancy Pelosi is just as worried about the the left flank of her party as she is the centrists. Uh, the centrists, of course, many of them are run, running in districts that are either toss ups or may even lean a little bit to the right. Um, and so they're all worried about, wait a minute, if I vote this way, then I may not be reelected. So the the political calculus becomes very real, very fast for these members. So that is so true. And the implications of this next election, when you start looking at the uh, the uh, the balance in the in the Senate, for example. I mean, that's that is so close that one state could change that dramatically. So, and that was what you and I talked about even at the beginning, and many others when President Biden uh, was was able to take office, and he's got he's got the House and the Senate and the White House. But what people started talking about almost immediately is that is a precarious balance, and it's only two years away. Yeah. All right. You, you've got two years to get all these grand initiatives taken care of uh, because it easily could change. In that in, in this next election cycle, and so that's what they're looking at right now, which is why the chaos that we're seeing right now, or at least sort of some of the discord at the very least, is is something that the Democrats are going to have to watch and try to control very carefully. All right, Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics, always giving us great insight, great breakdown. Uh, glad you got students back in school. Really excited about <laughs> your too. new uh, building back in Washington D.C. It's a new old building. Uh, but it would be a great place to house those uh, University of Utah interns back in our nation's capital. Right. We're excited to have our students out there in the very near future in that new facility and appreciate you. We need to have you out there maybe broadcast from the Orangey Hatch Center in Washington, D.C. All right. That's a deal. We're going to hold you to that. <laughs> Sounds good. Boy. All right. Thank thanks, you. Jason. All the best. All right. We're going to step aside for top of the hour news. BYU announced today a new office of belonging. We're going to break down what that means and an important message from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints coming up after the news at 2.05. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.